Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Doo I've got a perfect puzzle for you Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Dee If you are wise you'll listen to me What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats What are you at getting terribly fat? What do you think will come of that? I don't like the looks of it. Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Da. If you're not greedy, you will go far. You will live in happiness too. Like the Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Doo. Doopa Dee Doo. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another round of our Dirty 35 Prospect Countdown. As you probably know by now, uh, this is the podcast version, which means that we are going over five prospects at a time. Today just so happens to conclude our countdown with prospects five through one. I am your host. I am Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black. Uh, the only appropriate way for me to start this off is to tell you thank you so very much for coming along this journey with me. Uh, it's been exhausting. Uh, it's been incredibly rewarding at the same time and you know sometimes I'm a goofy guy I say quirky stuff Uh, I know that a lot of the stuff I say and the way that I am is completely off the wall but I just want to thank everybody from the absolute depths of my heart and my soul for coming along on this journey through the 35 top prospects in the Cardinals organization with me uh I, I devoted more time to this than I've ever devoted to anything in my life. That is a fact. Uh, any school-related, anything. Uh, it, it was uh, nearly 62,000 words, if not more than 62,000 words. And I think the final GIF count was like right around 180. Uh, I did all the GIFing myself. The beautiful pictures are by the incredibly gifted and talented Cardinals GIFs. Uh, who I am forever in debt to. But I just wanted to take a second again to thank all of you for reading the articles, for listening to this. Uh, We had a tremendous amount of viewership and listenership, and I'm humbled and excited, and uh, I hope that everything I do from here on out is as good as this, and I will aspire to do it with this much uh, passion and love for all of you as you gave to us during this countdown. Uh, I I feel incredibly rewarded and, and lucky to be able to provide this to you. Uh, one thing I want to say off the top, too, is uh, kind of off the cuff a little. A lot of you probably listen to this that don't listen to Prospects After Dark. I, I said something trying to be cute and funny about Brian Walton, in a, who writes for the Cardinal Nation in a, in a very aloof manner. And I just want to say that I love Brian Walton. I think he and Derek Shore for the Cardinal Nation do an amazing job. Uh, writing about prospects. I look forward to stop writing about prospects and talking about prospects so eventually I can resubscribe to the Cardinal Nation and just be a fan again here in years, hopefully, if not the end of this year. Uh, But anyways, I just want to apologize to Mr. Walton for trying to be funny and cute but coming off as a jackass like I am. Uh, Any opportunity I get, I'm going to apologize because I love that guy. What he does is incredible. Uh, You know, as St. Louis people, we are lucky to have the people that write and blog and and research and beat right and all like the commentators for the Cardinals. We are lucky as people in the immediate St. Louis and KMOX broadcasting area to have the commentators for the Cardinals that we have. And Brian Walton and Derek Shore over at the Cardinal Nation are definitely worth the price of admission. So go ahead and do that. Uh, I guess that's enough gushing. Look, uh, we have an amazing countdown. 
uh, to, to get to. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say before we get to prospects five through one that uh, we do a quick little recap, as I promised last time when we did prospects uh, uh, 10 through 6. We'll try to do it in a singing way. Now, I haven't practiced this, so this is going to be a disaster. So, again, we had the graduates in the March of the Prospects. Graduates, March of Prospects, 35, Ron Helbervelo. He's a first baseman. No, that's not going to work. Sorry. Sorry. that I tested it. It didn't work. Anyways, uh, prospect number 35 on our list as we do our recap is first baseman Ron Helbervelo. He'll be at Memphis. Prospect number 34 is Jake Walsh. He's a starting pitcher, a right-handed starting pitcher. If I have my guess, he'll be at Palm Beach. Justin Williams will start the year uh, on the injured list for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's an outfielder. When he's healthy, he'll be playing for Memphis. Delvin Perez is a shortstop. He'll be spending his first full season in the organization at Peoria. Chase Pinder is an outfielder. Spent Finished the year at Springfield last year. I imagine that's where he'll start. He's prospect number 31. Prospect number 30 is Connor Jones. I'm not sure if he's going to start or relieve from the get-go. I hope he starts, and he'll be at Memphis. Seth Elledge is a relief pitcher. He'll be at Memphis as well, a right-handed reliever. Angel Rondon is going to be really interesting. I'm, I, I kind of think he's going to start at Peoria. My guess is that he'll start at Palm Beach. He is a right-handed pitcher. Uh, Max Schrock, second baseman. He'll play a little third and second base uh, for the Memphis Redbirds. Dennis Ortega, prospect number 26, is a catcher. He'll be at Palm Beach, more than likely. Uh, prospect number 25 is Scott Hurst. He's an outfielder. I can't help but think that Scott Hurst starts at Springfield. More than likely start at Palm Beach. But if I'm, if I'm guessing, if I'm assigning, he's going to Springfield. Casey Meisner is a right-handed pitcher. He's prospect number 24. He'll be at Springfield. Ivan Herrera, if I have my guess, is a catcher. Well, not if I have my guess. He is a catcher. He'll be, uh, he'll be at Peoria, and he's prospect number 23. Prospect number 22 is Leandro Cedeno. He was at Johnson City last year. He's a first baseman. He will be at Peoria. If the Cardinals wait to put him at Peoria, I think they're wasting their time. Uh, Johan Oviedo is a right-handed pitcher. He's prospect number 21 on our list, and he'll be at Palm Beach, maybe at Springfield if the Cardinals decide to get aggressive with him. Prospect number 20 on our list is Jake Woodford. Jake Woodford is a right-handed starter who will be at Memphis to start the year. Ramon Urias is a utility infielder. He'll be at uh, prospect number 19 here. He'll be at Memphis to start the year. Uh, Jose Adoles Garcia, Jag, prospect number 18, is an outfielder. He'll be at Memphis. Edmundo Sosa is a utility infielder, prospect number eight, or 17. rather. He'll be at Memphis. Tommy Edmond, utility infielder, uh, prospect number 16 on our list. More than likely, he'll be at Memphis. Don't be surprised if he's with the St. Louis Cardinals by the end of the year. Definitely made a name for himself this spring training, and he deserves all of your accolades. Uh, prospect number 15 is third baseman Malcolm Nunez. I'm really anxious to see where third baseman Malcolm Nunez starts the year at. If I have my guess, it'll be Johnson City. Evan Mendoza, prospect number 14, is a third baseman. It uh, seems like he's going to be... Fill a utility role within the Cardinals organization. Play a little first, as he's done in spring training. Play a little shortstop. Uh, definitely some third. More than likely, start at Springfield. End up at Memphis by the end of the year. Prospect number 13 is Evan Kraczynski, left-handed pitcher. He'll start at Springfield. Prospect number 12 is Jan Torres, outfielder. Uh, you know, I'm going to say the Cardinals get aggressive with him and assign him to Peoria. A smarter man would say Johnson City, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Prospect number 11 is the slider king himself, Griffin Roberts, right-handed starter. Griffin will be suspended for the first 50 games of full-season affiliated major or minor league baseball. And uh, when he comes back, more than likely, he'll start at Palm Beach. But I can't help but think the Cardinals get aggressive and send him to Springfield. Prospect number 10 is the man peach himself, Dylan Carlson, an outfielder. He's going to start at Springfield. Prospect number 9 is Randy Rosarena. He has a broken thumb. When he comes back healthy, he'll be 
in uh, in Memphis. Prospect number eight is Luke and Baker, first baseman. I have a feeling the Cardinals are going to start him off at Palm Beach. Prospect number seven is outfielder Lane Thomas. Don't be surprised if you see Lane Thomas, who's a member of the 40-man on the Cardinals, uh, in the Cardinals roster at some point throughout the season. He'll be the starting outfielder, in the starting outfield, rather, for Memphis. Uh, prospect number six, left-handed starter Henesis Cabrera. He'll be in Memphis. Prospect number, which I guess leads us right into prospect number five. And again, thank you so much for sticking around for that. I kind of wanted to give my quick predictions on where people were going to start the season. Uh, we'll see how accurate I am more than likely in one week's time. Uh, minor league season starts on April 4th, which is a week from Thursday, uh, which I think is when this will be published. More than likely, the rosters will start coming out on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of that week. So keep an eye out on Twitter and the Peoria website and the Palm Beach website and the Springfield website and the Memphis reps, re- website and Twitter accounts for uh, for that information. I'm going to take a quick swig of this On the Rocks premium cocktail, Old Fashioned, and then we'll get right into the countdown, which is prospect number five, right-handed starting pitcher, Ryan Helsley. When Ryan Helsley makes his Major League debut, he is going to be one of uh, the limited amount, the limited number of Major Leaguers to be from uh, uh, Native American ancestry. And I know that probably doesn't mean a lot to very many people, but you know, it means a little bit to me. I think it's a really cool thing. I have no Native American ancestry inside of me, uh, so I, I just think it's really cool. It's a really cool little factoid. Getting away from the factoids and just getting to sheer amazing, beautiful manliness. Uh, Ryan Helsley is a starting pitcher who throws four pitches, a high spin rate fastball, four-seamer, up in the zone, down in the zone. It doesn't matter. It's hard to hit. He throws a curveball, a cutter, and a slider. And it's uh, a curveball, a cutter, and a changeup. In my opinion, his cutter is just a kick below the changeup and curveball, but all four pitches are average at worst. Where he gets in trouble sometimes, Mr. Helsley, who's built like an Ent from Lord of the Rings because of how amazingly strong his lower half is, uh, he again, he looks like he's walking on tree trunks from 100-year-old cypress trees. Uh, he gets in trouble because sometimes he'll get up on hitters, and he tries to get really cute with them. He doesn't always trust his stuff. He tries to hit the black a little too often, doesn't want to get hurt. When Ryan Helsley starts attacking hitters all of the time, that's when he's going to be a force to reckon with. Uh, I I love Ryan Helsley. I, I can't say it enough. He has been my favorite prospect within the Cardinals organization now for three, four years. He just he's done everything that you could ask of him. More than likely, when he makes his Cardinals debut, it'll be as a relief pitcher. And I guess the worry with that is, and not even a worry, because he's going to make the major leagues. He's going to be a good major league pitcher. The question just becomes, will he be pigeonholed like Jordan Hicks was, where he'll be so good out of the bullpen that he'll have to stay there? Or will he get a chance to start eventually? I, you know, I'll rant on and on about about, uh, uh, Ryan Helsley. I'll rant on and on about Jordan Hicks, like I was going to say. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty well just going to leave it there. Look, uh, what the Cardinals have with Ryan Helsley is a player that is ready to contribute to the major leagues, even though uh, after his initial appearance in spring training, he kind of faltered. Uh, he'll be ready to contribute. It just comes down to health. On June 9th of last year, he made his last official start uh, in, minor, in the minors. He had shoulder fatigue that sidelined him. He had a, a rehab assault. A rehab assignment start at the Gulf Coast League in August, but it only lasted two and two thirds of an innings, uh, and it just it didn't go well. And then they shut him down after that. So again, it's all about shoulder health with Ryan Helsley, and if that shoulder health is good, 
then uh, he's going to be a major league contributor by the end of the 2019 season. You'll look at his stats and you'll see that in Springfield he struggled, but he was good in Memphis. He should have started last year in Memphis. Uh, he started in Springfield and it was a waste of time for everyone, including him. And you can see it in the stats. Uh, they they try to get cute with him. They try to get him to work on stuff that he doesn't need to work on. Uh, and it, it was a waste of time, really. But he'll be at Memphis and he'll be healthy and he'll be contributing to the Major League Club by the end of 2019. I, I love Ryan Helsley. I love him so much. He's powerful and strong and built like a tank. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see what it looks like at the Major League level. Prospect number four on our list is Andrew Kisner. Uh, Andrew Kisner is a catcher, and it seems like right now that Andrew Kisner is the heir apparent to the one, the only Yadier Molina. Uh, Look, the deal with Andrew Kisner is of all of the hitters in the Cardinals organization, with two strikes, he's the kid you want up. And the reason you want him up is if if he's a right-handed swinger, and if he's going up against a tough righty, he's just going to put the ball... uh, Two strikes, breaking pitch outside corner that would beat, you know, 85% of baseball players. He's going to put into the right field gap. He has a short stroke with a professional approach that right now, if you were to put him in the major leagues, he would be a league average hitter. Uh, I don't know what his ceiling is. I think that there's more there. As I say in the article, my concern uh, from the plate, from the hitting aspect of Andrew Kisner is that he just doesn't hit for power. And you see it in there. Like, in spring training, he had a ninth-inning home run that was a million feet. It was the furthest home run I've ever seen him hit. It all comes down to where his power will manifest. Uh, he hit. He had a three thirteen batting average last year, which is great. I'm not one to invest much into batting average. What mattered to me is that his on-base percentage went up. But what also mattered to me is that his slugging went down. I need to see Andrew Kisner replicating the slug that he put up in 2017 uh, again, a fourth it, last year, his flo- in 2018, his slugging percentage was 430, and that'll play for a catcher, for for sure. Uh, but because I'm not convinced that Yadier Molina isn't going to start 120 games for the Cardinals for the next three or four years, I would like to see Andrew Kisner put up something a little bit more similar to corner infield numbers, and that's a, that's a tough ask. But I think that he's athletic enough to play the position uh, on a short-term basis while spelling. Uh, Yadier Molina as catcher in the next couple of years, getting 200 at-bats in that capacity, but he's got to add a little bit of power to his game to make that appealing for a team. It's going to be appealing. Everything about Andrew Kisner is professional. I don't know what else to say. He's smart. Uh, he's To all the ladies out there, uh, he's an attractive young man. He's dating Miami's Dolphins cheerleader. Miami Dolphins cheerleader. Uh, Allie Rain is her name. She's an incredible young lady. He's an incredible young man. He's smart. He runs a base as well. Uh, we're at the point in the countdown, prospects one through four, where all four of them should be top one, should be considered top 100 prospects in, in baseball. Uh, again, Kisner it might be viewed as limited because people have questions about his defense. He has an above average arm, but sometimes he struggles uh, mishandling the baseball out of the glove because he's moving too fast. Uh, sometimes he gets stabby when he's trying to frame the pitch, and sometimes he swipes at balls on the ground. All of that stuff needs to get cleaned up for sure. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to diminish that, uh, but he his bat is good enough that it'll play at the major league level, and someone will find a spot for him. We're not talking about Derek Barton here. We're not talking about Cody Stanley, uh, Brian Anderson. We're talking about a player who actually has a discernible hit quality at the major league level, not just batting average. Batting average, and that's where we get lost. Right back in the day, we used to invest heavily into batting average, and we'd see somebody like Cody Stanley. 
you know, when he wasn't getting busted for doing PEDs or whatever he was doing, uh, we'd see his batting average and think, this guy could, he could work. And then we'd see Brian Anderson and think, man, this guy could work. And he could hit, Brian Anderson could hit. But he doesn't drive the ball the way that Andrew Kisner does. Uh, Kisner's big, he's strong, he has a beautifully compact swing, and it's just a matter of if the power comes along eventually. And again, if he can continue to work on these defensive... uh, malfeasances, I'll say. Because I, I really don't know what other word to put on it. But it's like these little defensive issues that just need cleaning up. Because there are times when he doesn't struggle to exchange the ball. There are times when he uses his entire body to block the ball. And about 50% of the time, he's a really good pitch framer. It's just that it's not there yet. And keep in mind with Kisner as a catcher, it's been four years. He's only been a, a catcher for four years now. Uh, when he was recruited by NC State, he was a shortstop, moved to third base because of Trey Turner, and then was moved to catcher uh, because, uh, well, there was an, another player that was a pretty good third baseman that they wanted to play there, but because he was smart enough and athletic enough to catch. Uh, I have a feeling, it, all of my concerns for him as a catcher, I know that he's smart and athletic enough to overcome. That's a positive. Will it happen? We're going to find out. Uh, it's a tough ask for anyone. Remember, catchers are usually late bloomers at the major league level. We've been spoiled because of Yadier Molina. Uh, but it's going to take a little time for Andrew Kisner to, to really, really come into his own. And uh, one full year at Memphis, I would think, a September call-up, and then next year potentially as a utility infielder in Yadier Molina's backup and eventually heir apparent would be a beautiful, amazing thing. And uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. I've been asked a lot, and I'm sorry to ramble on and on about Andrew Kisner, but I like the kid a lot. Uh, Kisner, Helsley, and Randy Rosarena have formed a trifecta in my heart as like my three favorite prospects for the last two uh, to three years. So I, I kind of rant on about them a little bit more. Uh, it's just with, with, with Mr. Kisner, it's just going to be a matter of opportunity presenting itself and what it looks like when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, what I was going to say before I ranted on there is I'm asked a lot about Matt Wieters and Andrew Kisner. Uh, if if Yachty were to get hurt, what would happen? I mean, more than likely, uh, Matt Wieters would become the starter. Francisco Pena would have his contract bought out, and uh, he'd be the backup. But I, I want to tell you that I feel confident that if, if Yachty or Molina had to miss a substantial amount of time, that Andrew Kisner could fill that role uh, tenfold better than Carson Kelly was, well, than Carson Kelly could and was given the opportunity at first, uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see how that all plans out. I have the utmost faith in Andrew Kisner as a professional. I think that's what separates Andrew Kisner from maybe a lot of the other catching prospects that have found their way through the Cardinals system and maybe some of the other catching prospects in all of baseball, the professionalism. So uh, I'm done ranting on and on about our, our beautiful number four prospect, Andrew Kisner, which takes us to our beautiful number three prospect, yeah, look, he's. If I have my guess, he's Cardinal Nation's number one prospect. He's 18 years old. Uh, his name is Nolan Gorman. He's a third baseman. He was the Cardinals' nine. He was the Cardinals' first round draft pick, 19th overall in all of baseball, uh, on June 4th of 2018. Something weird happened with Nolan Gorman. Uh, Nolan Gorman was supposed to be a top 10 pick, and then he wasn't picked in the top 10, and then he wasn't picked in the top 15. And then his buddy, left-handed pitcher uh, Matthew Liberatore, who he was high school and grade school friends with, he's played baseball with his entire life, uh, was selected 16th overall. Again, they're high school, the high school friends and all that stuff. Uh, 16th overall by Tampa. 
And there he was at 19, and the Cardinals selected him. And it couldn't have gone any better for the Cardinals, and it couldn't have gone any better for Nolan Gorman. Uh, he blew through Johnson City in the hitter-friendly pitching week Appalachian League. Uh, those stadiums are kind of small, and usually the pitching, there's a lot of development that has to happen there. That's why you see this, the high walk rate. Uh, but that earned him a quick promotion to Peoria, and he earned that promotion. And it's rare. I, I, he was the youngest player in the Midwest League at that time. Uh, which is incredible. One of the youngest players in all of full season baseball last year. Uh, it just it couldn't have worked out any better for Mr. Nolan Gorman. And it couldn't have worked out any better for the Cardinals. So what we had is we had a kid who blew the Appalachian League. Again, talent that was about his level. Uh, a little older, older than him, but not so much older that it seems out of place. He blew that league apart. Uh, and then went to the the Midwest League where he struggled a little bit, was a league average hitter about, uh, but still hit for power, and pitchers were still very, very careful with him. Uh, for an 18-year-old to go to a full-season club and garner the respect that Nolan Gorman garnered was uncalled, like I, I, unprecedented. And the fact that I didn't write that in the article, it, shame on me for that. Uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed by it, honestly. Uh, I'm sorry for the readers that they didn't get to read that, and I hope that they're listening now. Uh, but it just goes to show you that like the word is out on Nolan Gorman, and it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how teams react to him now, how the Cardinals react to him. Uh, more than likely, Nolan Gorman will start the 2019 season at Peoria. The other day on KMOX, John Mazalak was talking about the potential that Nolan Gorman would start at Palm Beach which would be amazing, and I hope he's given that opportunity, honestly. Like, I want the people in Peoria to go back and be able to see Nolan Gorman, but I like the idea of pushing Nolan Gorman to Palm Beach and seeing what happens. That's an, a, a really aggressive uh, assignment, and it's also a tough hitters league. I think we'll find out a lot about Nolan Gorman at that point. Uh, but the one thing about Nolan Gorman, I, I say the one thing, that's just some throwback thing that I say all the time, and I apologize to you viewers and listeners. I'm sure that you've caught on to that, but... Uh, Something that should not go unnoticed about Gorman, other than the fact that he's 18 and he's a, you know, amazing young man with an amazing body, is that he is probably the most hyped up prospect that the Cardinals have had since Oscar Tavares. I can't imagine there being a, a, a one B to his one A. It doesn't even seem like there's like a four or a five on that list. Uh, the hype factor, the hype factory, is working overtime to pump out Nolan Gorman. I believe that Nolan Gorman will stick at third base. There are some things that he needs to work on. He has a really strong arm. I cut just short of calling it uh, plus in the article. I think it can be plus, but I don't think it's there yet. It's definitely strong enough to be categorized as plus when he gets his feet set. But he doesn't often get his feet set. And a lot of times he'll cast that pitch up the line a little bit. Or down the line, rather, a little bit. And it really works against him. Uh, sometimes he whips at sidearm. And about, you know, 75% of the time that works out fine for him and 25% of the time it doesn't. That's not a good enough ratio for a third baseman. What we saw at his time in Peoria is that he struggled there defensively because as an 18-year-old playing in the premier tournament circuit uh, against premier talent, you're still not seeing balls crushed at you at third base with the frequency that you were seeing in the Midwest League. Ignore the errors. Ignore the, the fielding percentage. It doesn't tell you any type of accurate story. Let this kid get used to having those balls pounded at him on a regular basis, and then we'll judge what kind of defensive third baseman he is. But I know that he has good lateral motion. I know his arm is strong. 
I know that sometimes his feet get a little wonky over at third, but I know that it's all coming together. Uh, and I, I think that once we get past what happened in 2018, uh, a whirlwind season for a kid who was 17, about draft time, turned 18, and then was playing in the Midwest League, I, I know that once that that just shock and awe wears off and he gets a chance as he's going to get in 2019, as he gets the chance to just play baseball, I think we're going to finally see exactly, not finally, God, you can't, I think we're going to see what type of defender he is. And I don't think anyone is going to doubt his ability to stick at third. It's just what level of third baseman he's going to be moving forward. I I say it in the article, uh, he has a carry tool called Power and to call it a carry tool might be an understatement. That's how powerful and how strong of a tool it is. Uh, we're anxious to see what it looks like in-game. It's pretty strong in-game. It has areas to grow in-game. But when you watch him just brutalize other people in home run derby contests uh, on YouTube, you get the feeling that like he definitely has like some of the most supreme raw power that's come through the Cardinals organization in a long time. He and Terry Fuller, of course, are the two because you think about all of the home run derby contests that they're 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 known for, uh, but his seems more, it seems like it has the ability to manifest in-game a little bit more. Uh, with Prospect 12, Jan Torres. With Prospect 15, Malcolm Nunez. With Prospect uh, 23, Ivan Herrera. Uh, I went, teenagers, all of them are. Uh, I went out of my way to cut it short. I don't want to do that with Nolan Gorman because Nolan Gorman deserves the extra attention uh, because he's just so much better, so much more physically mature, uh, plays a more Major League Baseball-style game, has less growing to do. Uh, look, it, there isn't a team in baseball that wouldn't want Nolan Gorman in their organization. There are a few teams in baseball that wouldn't have Nolan Gorman as a top-two prospect in their organization. And uh, I only have him three because the two guys ahead of him are just better than him at this very moment. Uh, look, in, in a year's time... More than likely, Nolan Gorman is at Springfield, and we're talking about a potential Major League debut in his future. Uh, God, it's just it's so exciting to have a prospect of his caliber with his hype in the Cardinals organization. It's going to be so much fun to watch him in 2019, even if he struggles. Uh, and he's going to struggle. Look, that's it's not an easy assignment for any 18-year-old who turns 19 midseason to uh, to playing in the minor leagues at a full season affiliate and if he makes it to Springfield which I think he will eventually uh, that's an even more difficult ask he's probably going to show his his rear end at some points uh, not like from an emotional standpoint but from a physical standpoint probably get overmatched quite a bit like we saw in spring training other than the one monster home run that he hit Uh, but trust me like as excited as I am as much of a hype man as I am for him right now just remember Get excited, but there's going to be some growing pains. If in a month and a half, his WRC plus is like 93 and he only has three home runs and a bunch of strikeouts and no walks, he's still doing better than he should be, whether they be at Peoria or Palm Beach at levels that are just tough. They're tough and he's never seen pitching like that. And uh, it'll be how he finishes the year, not about how he starts. So you might ask, as I as I rant on and on, hold on, I'm going to get a drink real fast. You might ask, as I rant on and on, how, with a player like that in the organization, how there are going to be two people ahead of him. 
And that brings us to prospect number two, Aliris Montero, who is also a third baseman. And my answer to that question is, well, imagine that you have a player who is a little, you know, a year and a half older than Nolan Gorman, right? And Nolan Gorman struggled in the Midwest League, uh, below 100 WRC+. plus. Well, that was the league that Aliris Montero just so happened to be the MVP of. Uh, these the, the fielding questions that we have about Nolan Gorman, Montero is a kick better than Gorman is. Uh, and we're not talking about a 23-year-old here. We're talking about somebody who's 20 years old. Uh, we're talking about somebody who is also physically mature. Uh, the best way, and again, I would encourage you to read prospect number two, Aliris Montero's write-up. The, the best that I can do is to tell you that if you ignore the hype, uh, again, this is this coming season will be Montero's fifth in the organization. He started all the way in the DSL. Uh, if you ignore the hype that comes with the Major League Draft, if 19-year-old Montero would have been drafted in 19th overall pick by the St. Louis Cardinals in the 2018 draft, we would be going nuts over him. He would be, bar none, the best prospect in the organization, uh, and he would be a top 50 prospect in all of baseball. If he had done what he did uh, after the draft, whether that be at Peoria or at Palm Beach, we would be going nuts. But because he's an international signing who's been in the organization for a little bit of time, the hype doesn't surround him that surrounds Nolan Gorman. And he also doesn't have the showy power that that Gorman has. He's a big boy. He's strong. uh, He's going to turn on some pitches, but he's not going to compromise his ability to hit the baseball just to hit for power. Uh, Maybe that's what Gorman does sometimes. Maybe that's what other hitters do. But what separates and the, the next thing that separates Gorman from Montero is Montero has a, a more professional approach. It's not on the same level as our number four prospect, Andrew Kisner, or our number 16 prospect, Tommy Edmond, uh, but it's close. If, As I wrote in the article, if I had to pick one player to put the ball in the opposite field gap in a tough count, I'm going Montero. He's just that good. Look, uh, His defense has taken strong steps forward. His approach at the plate have taken strong steps forward forward. Uh, More than likely, he's going to start the year at Springfield. But all of those things that I just gushed about, about Nolan Gorman, other than the in-game power, and again, Montero's a 20-home run guy. Uh, That's that's what I think. He's got a body that could hit 30, 35, but I don't think that that's his game. I think he's a 20, 25 max uh, hitter at the major league level. If it all continues down this path, and again, it's up to him because one of the things we articulate in the article is that his body is the type, his his frame is the type that needs constant physical pushing. Uh, it needs to stay in line, and it's up to him to keep it in line. Uh, if he can keep that in line, then you're talking about a guy who's capable of hitting 15, 20, maybe 25 home runs at the major league level, uh, but also hitting for a good average and getting on base. As the season went on at Peoria, uh, where he was the Midwest League MVP, his walk rate kept going up, his strikeout rate kept dipping, and that tough assignment for a then 19-year-old, that looked really, really freaking easy. And that's why Aliris Montero is ahead of Nolan Gorman on the list. Uh, if Nolan Gorman is 19 years old, and which he will be midway through the year, if he's 19 years old and he's making Peoria look easy, then I'll 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 jump him. If he's making it look easier than uh, Montero made it look last year, then I'll I'll flip the two for sure. But he hasn't done it yet, and the the act of not doing it yet really does factor in here. Uh, I have my issues about Montero at third. I'm asked often, will Montero stick at third? And, and the truth the truth of the matter is, 
at the beginning of the year last year, I would have said, no, there's no way. That guy's a first baseman. But to watch him develop throughout the year, to get better at going side to side, reading the ball off the bat, especially to his right, uh, coming in on baseballs, he's still not very good going back on baseballs. That's whatever from a third baseman. You'd rather have a reactionary. Uh, I don't want him going chasing a ball down the line like I would Evan Mendoza chasing our prospect number 13, uh, or 14 rather, who does an amazing job of chasing everything over his head and to his side, especially on a fly ball. Uh, I wouldn't want Mendoza, or I wouldn't want uh, Montero doing that. I would, have, I would want him doing it as little as possible. But uh, he's gotten so good at those other facets, and his arm is strong, especially coming in on the baseball. Uh, the best way to put it, and I write it in the article, I, I think we forget about what kind of a third baseman, how athletic uh, 20 to 25 year old Albert Pujols was. And I think that's the type of athlete. Again, not to compare the two, because Montero is not going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he might go to an All-Star game or two if everything pans out perfectly right. But asking players to pan out perfectly right from a prospect standpoint is an incredible ask. Uh, anyways, he he might have... But he is as athletic as Pujols was at that same age with the same type body and the same type approach. It's not about hitting home runs. Although Pujols was big and strong and would just do it because he was one of the best in the history of baseball. Uh, Montero is not going to be one of the best in the history of baseball. He's going to be a light version of that. As I say in the article, look at the stat line. The the very maximum, uh, the the absolute ceiling for someone like Aliris Montero is 2012 Alan Craig. That's the tw- the 20 home run version of Alan Craig, who didn't strike out a ton, but was driving the baseball to all fields and could hit with two outs. Uh, you know, I, I say in Andrew Kisner's writer, prospect number four, that the 2013 version of Alan Craig, the one who hit less home runs, 12 or 13 home runs, that's like the ceiling for Andrew Kisner. Uh, again, when we get to ceiling talk, we're talking about like a 20% chance of reaching the ceiling. So just keep that in mind. It's tough to reach your ultimate ceiling. Uh, I believe Montero has the ability to reach that ceiling. Uh, And I think it's going to be really exciting. But uh, to recap with Montero, his defense came a long way, but he needs to keep his body in shape in order to maximize his defensive potential at third. He has a great approach that's borderline professional. uh, That's maybe top 10 approach in the organization. Uh, Maybe top five, definitely top 10 approach in the organization. And he has power to come. And you'll look at his stats and you'll see how great he was at Peoria. You'll worry about how he did at Palm Beach. I would ask you to invest very little into what happened at Palm Beach. Now, the other thing I'll tell you as we enter the 2019 season, more than likely Montero will start at Springfield. And uh, remember, if we've learned anything from his time in an organization, in the organization, it's that at every level, he struggles at first to produce power while he understands how he's being attacked at that level. Uh, he adjusts in-game, in-at-bat, maybe better than any prospect in the organization. And don't be surprised if come, you know, we enter June and he only has four home runs. Uh, but don't be surprised if we leave June and he has 10, you know, 12. It's going to take him a little time to get his power underneath him. But it will come uh, in 2019. Look, I love Aliris Montero. I hope the Cardinals don't trade him. I can't imagine a situation in which that benefits the Cardinals, uh, especially with the way the Cardinals' current 40 and 25-man rosters are set up, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how that all goes. I, I, again, I was very purposeful 
and putting Montero 2 and Gorman 3 because I want you to ignore the fact that Gorman was a first-round draft pick. I want you to look at these two side-by-side, and I want you to be honest with yourself if you eliminate the hype and maybe some of the, the grass-fed beef that's in front of you from both the organization and, uh, and some of the media. This spring training, our number 10 prospect, Dylan Carlson, was lauded. Everyone kept talking about how great he is. How did Derek Gould just tweeted out the other day about how there isn't a prospect in the Cardinals organization that set, him, set themselves up better for 2020 than Dylan Carlson. While I disagree with that, what I'll tell you is it's funny to me because as good as Dylan Carlson was last year at the same levels as Aliris Montero, uh, he's only three months younger than Montero. He's and you guys know I love Dylan Carlson. This isn't to diminish Carlson. I, I think D- Dylan Carlson has a great major league career out of him. But Montero is better than him in every capacity of the game. Uh, like Not better. That's not fair. He's more developed than Carlson is in every capacity of the game. And uh, that's why the 2 and 10 difference in between Carlson and Montero. Uh, I don't invest much into what happened to spring training. I think that Carlson got his name out there. I think it's good. I think it's great. Again, he has a professional career ahead of him. But don't be surprised if in one year's time we're talking about, man, I really wish this Montero gets a chance at third base, depending on what happens with Matt, Car- with Matt Carpenter in the long run. So that's number two. Uh, 20-year-old, A-Lear-Us Montero. Montero. Third baseman for now. Maybe a first baseman long-term. Maybe a left fielder if things get weird. Uh, prospect number one on our list as we conclude our Dirty 35 uh, podcast countdown is starting pitcher, right-hander, Dakota Hudson. Look, Dakota Hudson earned himself the number three starter in the Cardinals organization, uh, in the Cardinals rotation this spring. You you know the deal. He has a power sinker. He has a cutter and a slider that are both amazing. He still struggles with his changeup and curve a little bit, but he has enough on those pitches and an understanding of those pitches to change the pace. Uh, th- there isn't an, a right answer. There isn't another like another way that you can go here. If the Cardinals have a prospect who is going to be their number three starter entering the year, you can't say that anyone else is deserving of the number one spot. That's a huge ask for a team that's looking to win the NL Central. Uh, there aren't other teams in the league that have that. And I don't know if that's necessarily damning to the Cardinals' like organization or starting pitching or rotation or any of that stuff, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm taking my, if I'm putting my own bias into this, I'm probably moving Hudson down to number five on the list uh, and moving everyone else up. Like I've, I, I've been pretty, pretty strong about saying that I like Helsley in the long run better than I like Hudson. Uh, but what H- Dakota Hudson does really well is he throws a high velocity two se- two seamer that he struggles to command uh, low in the zone. Uh, he And his cutter and his slider are both beautiful pitches. Again, he throws a cutter and he throws a slider. And he introduced a slider last year and he had been throwing... What Dakota Hudson does so well is he throws a power sinker. It used to be called a two-seam fastball. Now it's pretty well categorized as a sinker uh, with great arm side fade. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, but the problem with that sinker is that he doesn't command it so well. We'll get back to that in a second. The other thing that Dakota Hudson does extremely well is he throws a cutter and a slider. Uh, They both kind of move similarly. The slider has more bite than the cutter does. The cutter, well, let me rephrase that. The slider has more movement, more break than the cutter does, but the cutter has more bite than the the slider does. Uh, It's a beautiful combo that he likes to throw. He, again, we talked about the change of pace with the curve and the change. 
when we double back around and start talking about the two-seam fastball that he can get up to 96, 98 in both the starting role and a relief role, he's always struggled to command that pitch. And what we saw last year pitching out of the bullpen is he walked about as many people as he struck out. And the reason is because Mr. Molina or whoever was catching him at the time would always go to that fastball uh, when he was behind an account. That's not how Dakota Hudson is effective. His, he's most effective when he's throwing the slider or the cutter behind in counts. And the thing about that is, just like with Adam Adovino, who also throws a couple different types of slider cutters, uh, he's, even when pitcher even when pitchers, even when hitters know it's coming, it's still a devastating pitch. It's still hard to square up. Uh, the reason we're going to end up liking Dakota Hudson as a starter is because he's going, even if he lets hitters on, he's going to induce a lot of double plays a lot of weak contact on the ground. Uh, you'll know you know him already as I think the ERA champion of the PCL, if not he was a top five in the PCL ERA. You know him as a pitcher of the the year in the Cardinals organization and the Pacific Coast League. Uh, he's an exciting prospect who's going to influence the major league roster this year. Uh, he's going to be a very very important cog in the rotation. Uh, and you know honestly, other than those things that I've already said. Uh, you know enough about him. He pitched a bunch down the stretch last year. Mike Schilt relied heavily on him out of the bullpen. Uh, you're going to hear about him. You're going to, you've probably already read a ton about him, especially since he's been named the third starter in the rotation as opposed to the fourth or fifth, uh, surpassing Michael Waka, who's a fourth starter, and Adam Wainwright, who's the de facto fifth starter. Uh, I'm not going to bog down this with information that you already know. But again, I, if there's one thing with Dakota Hudson, who has a great pitching body and who used to have wonky mechanics uh, in college that have since cleaned up, it's that it all comes down to his two-seam command, which in the minor leagues up until this point, even when he was effective, was sluggish. Uh, this spring, it's looked really good. It looks like he might have taken the next step. And if, if he has honestly and truthfully taking that next step in that development, uh, then you're talking about a guy who is a, a, an ideal, perfect number three pitcher. But remember, spring success does not equal major league success, and we're just going to have to wait. Uh, I'm excited about Dakota Hudson. I'm excited that we're going to get to see him in the opening weekend. That's a positive. Uh, again, it, just to run down Dakota Hudson, 34th overall pick. Only let up one home run in around 140 innings last year, which goes to show you how well he does of keeping the ball low in the zone and on the ground. Uh, doesn't strike out enough, hasn't struck out enough, you know, around 17, 18%. I expect that number to go up at the major league level this year. I think he's figured something out. Uh, he's going to be a great fantasy baseball starting pitcher sleeper. I think that you guys would do well if you're in a fantasy baseball league to pick him up late in the rounds. Uh, if you're not playing against other Cardinals fans, because I'm sure other Cardinals fans will jump on it. But uh, look, here, Dakota Hudson is just a really, really interesting player who's going to have some growing pains during the 2019 season. But, uh, you know, any organization that is in the position to have a prospect be their number three starter and compete for this, their division's title when the division is as tough as the Cardinals is, there's no way that you can argue that that prospect isn't the number one in the organization. Uh Keep an eye on that fastball command. Keep an eye on the slider and the cutter, how they're working together. Uh, the other thing, again, I, I just want to reemphasize one more time. 
if he's behind in a count, it would do the Cardinals very well to go to the slider and the cutter to get him back in the count. At the very least, what happens, somebody squares it up and hits it on the ground, you know, 55, 60% of the time. More than likely, that pitch is going to go over the wall, and that's the positive there. Uh, I, I'm anxious to see how the curve and the changeup looks, how often they're used. I've got a feeling that Mr. Molina won't use either pitch very often, uh, but I, I'm excited about Dakota Hudson. I'm happy to see a rookie get the opportunity to pitch in the Cardinals rotation. And uh, I do expect better results out of Dakota Hudson than we saw out of Luke Weaver last year. Uh, and that is the end of our Dirty 35 uh, prospect countdown. We've we've written all the write-ups. 35 write-ups and then two additional write-ups that went over the, the prospects who are on the fringe and also the prospects who were not on the roster because they've graduated or on the countdown because they graduated uh, look, one more time, everyone. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I, I feel overwhelmed by the support uh, and, and and everything. I just I can't tell you I never expected in a million years that the Dirty 35 would become a thing. Uh, I, I never expected this kind of support and this kind of love. So thank you to everyone again for supporting and loving us uh, at Birds on the Black. Uh, I can't wait to give it to you uh, as often as possible. That's what she said. Uh, I My plan is I'd like to update this monthly, give you kind of an update, uh, but at the very least, because of how the schedule can be, uh, expect something, an update on the Dirty 35 come the All-Star break time after the draft. Uh, man, I just want to keep talking because I just want to be here with all of you, but uh, I- I'll go ahead and shut it down. If you listen to this, you're part of the resistance. Again, thank you so much for all of the support. Uh, the one thing I'll tell you is in the next week, I'm going to take Dakota Hudson off the list. He's basically not a minor leaguer anymore. Uh, it is his rookie year, and we'll be adding a new Prospect 35 onto the list. Keep an eye out on Birds on the Black for that. Uh, but for myself, for Cardinals Gifts, uh, you're all amazing. Thank you so much for all of this. Uh, and as always, family, as the minor league season starts to get underway, find your prospect, cling to them, look at their stats, call your guy, uh, and have fun just hunting the shit out of some prospects. So, uh, as always, fam, happy hunting.